more tags, no tags. What's up? What's up? What's up? Welcome to another episode of the Midnight Drop. I'm your host Jordan Malone, and thanks so much for tuning in to another new episode. I'm so glad you guys are here. Uh, I'm glad to be bringing out another episode for you guys. Let's go ahead and get into it. But before we go ahead and get into the main squeeze, which is our two movie reviews and some other stuff, I want to bring in. I don't want to go ahead and update you guys on a couple of things with the platform midnight drop and just talk about some things that i thought would be worth mentioning uh first of all i want to go ahead and give you guys a thanks for your support for everything you've done up until now uh it's been a couple of weeks now since i had the return episode drop and so far i've done about two book reviews i've done two movie reviews today we'll make it like four movie reviews and i got a whole lot more stuff coming on down the road And I'm very much happy with how everything's been going. And I want to go ahead and give you guys thanks. And let's keep this rolling. I know I have a whole lot more work to do. But I want to go ahead and give my thanks for all the stuff. Because no matter what I I would have done, I wouldn't have done it without you guys. So that's the first things first. Second of all, trying to update you guys on what's going to happen next week and in the future. I still got some blog posts coming up. I know I've been a little bit late on that. But I've been trying to get us some pretty good ideas coming out for that for medium.com for the website. Uh, so be on the lookout for any blog posts coming up on either of those sites. And I also have a couple of new episodes coming up next week uh, on Tuesday. There's not going to be a book review. It's more of less just going to be maybe centered on a movie review or just kind of like another new episode I want to talk about. I have one book review coming up that might come up on Friday or next Saturday, and that is going to be on Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, the book that talks about everything regarding video game development and what goes into it. And it kind of uses examples of some pretty good best-selling video games. There's also some flops that I thought would be worth mentioning because I know the first two books were a little bit political and also on the social side. And I kind of want to go ahead and bring something new into the table with this book regarding video game development. So that's all coming up next week and more. But now that I've gone ahead and Got you guys caught up on everything. Let's go ahead and get into it with what we're talking about today. And today we're going to do a double movie header, a double, uh, a movie double header, which is going to be the first time I've done this. I don't know if I'm going to do this again or not. But yeah, man, I got two movies to review, and that is American Gangster and also Black Dynamite. Now, Black Dynamite, I was supposed to review last week. Uh, that was something that I've watched a long time before. I've watched many times, 
but uh, just had some stuff rolling around and had to go ahead and move that up to another day. So I decided to combine it with the movie review for American Gangster. And I'll tell you, right, one of the, the, the one thing that's similar for both these movies that, that they have in common is that I've watched these movies a couple of times, a whole bunch of times, actually. And I decided to watch them again. Just kind of like, like kind of see how I felt with them, kind of like as time has progressed, and do they still hold up, or are they kind of like a letdown, or they do they exceed expectations that I had during that night? So those were reviews today, and then we also got some stuff I want to talk about regarding the real world and just how my thoughts are on that. So this is going to be an extra long episode. So if you want to keep on, go ahead and stay on the airwaves. If not, go ahead and just wait. And listen for them sound bites as I drop them down later down the road. But let's go ahead and get on to our first review, American Gangster. Uh, I'm very excited to talk about this movie and review it. American Gangster, the 2007 drama crime film starring Denzel Washington and Russell Crowe. Directed by Ridley Scott, which I didn't know in the beginning. But this movie centers around Harlem drug dealer Frank Lucas, who rises to power in corrupt 1970s New York, equaling and surpassing notorious mafia families with the reach of his empire. On the other side of the law, honest cop Richie Roberts dedicates himself to taking down the most dangerous man across the streets. Lucas acts with the impunity impunity and smuggling heroin into the u.s and the coffins of the american soldiers killed in vietnam uh this movie runs about two hours and 56 long it's a very long movie as you can see it's like nearly three hours there's also a director's cut that's about around three and a like three hours and 15 minutes uh i remember watching this movie on netflix i never watched this before i knew it was a classic a lot of people loved it and I just never got the time to watch it until my sophomore year of college, where I got really, really interested in the entire movie as a whole. I thought it was one of the best movies I've ever watched in my life. Um, and I just kept watching it. I, there was a point in time between junior year and now where I didn't really watch it again. Like, usually I would watch it every single moment. But I just stopped watching it. And I was just like, it's a good time. Now that I have the time to, like, actually sit down and watch this movie again... Uh, through YouTube because I'm trying to at least find something nice to watch it on. Netflix took it off, which is crazy. Uh, but I watched this on YouTube and I watched the director's cut. Uh, and I'll tell you right now, man, there's some stuff that I really started to like even more by watching this movie. But there are also some things that I that made me feel like this movie isn't as good as I thought before. But let's go ahead and get into it and talk about the number one thing I liked in this, which was the acting. Denzel Washington, I think this may have been Denzel Washington's best performances in his career. But, I mean, there's so many good performances he has throughout his entire filmography that it's hard to choose from. I think in this movie, he really does a great job playing as Frank Lucas. As in the beginning of the movie, you kind of see him uh, just being an apprentice to you know this big you know this bigger mafia boss who's kind of like who throws into like this mafia style role i, I want to remember who played as you know his you know his mentor in the beginning but he's well known in the business but then after the death of his mentor Denzel Washington's character's Frank Lucas decides he's going to take the reins and he tries to figure out a way to just put an iron, like, you know, put his foot down in the city of Brooklyn, in the city of Harlem, and try to go ahead and keep business as it was going and probably even better. 
And I think he does an amazing job as Frank Lucas. He adds in his own stuff. Like, he ad-libs some of the lines of this movie. And you clearly can see that when in certain scenes. And I just felt like if... I just felt like it was, uh, you know, as an example of how great his acting was. At moments, he really just shows, like, how good of a gangster he can play. Uh, Also, as a man, like, sometimes you don't think he's really a gangster. He's more or less just a black businessman, a real entrepreneur. And this movie really invokes this being your own entrepreneur and how to run a good damn business. But I'm probably reaching a little bit right there. But besides Denzel Washington, I think Russell Crowe in this movie, he did a really good job. Now, I know Russell Crowe doesn't have that great of a reputation anymore but before that in this movie he did a really good job he plays Richie Roberts and Richie Roberts in this movie you know I really did like now there are some things that I really could have done away with but I think so far he plays the role pretty well uh if you're kind of making it sound like if I had to be a little bit mean or a little bit harsh I would say he would still play this role pretty average pretty good I mean he plays it pretty well and I think him and his chemistry with Denzel Washington Denzel Washington's character, Frank Lewis, at the end, uh, does a really good job and hits it off. But, I mean, besides those two characters, man, I mean, you have a star-studded cast uh, in this movie. Some actors who are doing it their first time and other actors who have been in the game for a minute. Uh, Let me go ahead and try to pull up the, you know, the cast and crew for this movie. I know, for example, one of the bet, like, the guys I could see... Uh, that I caught my eye was common and Ti. They caught me like that's the one thing that was a little like that was a little surprising to see in this movie that common was in this movie and that Ti was in this movie. Common does a pretty good job. He doesn't have a big big role, but when it comes down to Ti, he surprises me because he can actually act in this movie. I mean, now it's just like you know you're gonna see him in this movie, uh, Monster Hunter. And he doesn't look too, too well. But when it comes to this movie, he plays pretty well. But besides that, you have Chiwetel Ejiofor, Josh Brolin, Lamari Nadal, Ted Levin, uh, John John Hawks. Oh, my gosh. RZA, Ruby D, uh, God Rest Her Soul. You have a full studded cast. And if there was anybody else that I really liked... Uh, besides the two main headliners, Denzel Washington and Russell Cole, was Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin plays as Detective Trupo, one of the crooked cops in the movie. Crooked cops in the movie who's clearly defined as the antagonist, besides Denzel Washington, Frank Lucas, and he does a really good job of just pissing you the fuck off as his crooked cop, but as this guy who's just an overall asshole. You know, he kind of just goes ahead and just shows like, yeah, whoever gonna like. You gonna come around me, my city, man? Give me my goddamn money. And he really just plays that role really well. And you know, it just shows that you know, besides your two headliners, besides the two main guys you're focusing on, the supporting cast does a pretty good job. And I think that everybody across the board did really nice. Now, in terms of the plot, now the plot is inspired by a true story of Frank Lucas of Ro- and Richie Roberts. Uh, there are some things in this movie that I want to say are a little bit some problems going down the road, but when you kind of get like the full gist of it, uh, this movie is really fucking good. I mean, I mean, the plot is really, really good. I'm not going to say fucking good because again, I have some problems, but this plot is really good and it actually makes you kind of like invested in the movie. You're seeing a plot where it's bringing in, where it's bringing in uh, a black man as 
as a as a mafia member as a gangster and you don't really see that it pays it it pays homage to the old you know mafia movies back in the day except now you have a black man actually running it and the thing that's really dope about it is that you're having him do this stuff. He's rising into power. And throughout the movie, you're seeing people just look at him, at, at Frank Lucas. And you're just like, wait, wait a minute. There's a black man that's running Harlem? Wait a minute. What the fuck? And they really take offense to that. And it just shows that, like, as a black man, you know, sometimes you're not really, you know, you're supposed to fit into these stereotypical roles in the view, in the eyes of, you know, of racists and white people and, and big businessmen, all this stuff. And then in this movie, it kind of shows that like you're on a role that's usually supposed to fit for only like, you know, be people who are actually in mafias or the Italians. And you're kind of just like, and people are just caught off guard. But like he, he uses his like, and this is like an, an, an attribute, attribution. <laughs> oh my God. This is kind of like something that attributes to Denzel Washington's acting in this movie. But he has this swag throughout the entire film where it shows that like he's he's confident, you know, he's doing everything he wants to do. He's smart for most of the movie. The beginning of the movie, he's definitely smart and he plays it safe and he plays it well. Later on down the road, you kind of see that you kind of see all that devolve into something else where, you know, mistakes are shown and you really got to see see that unfold. The biggest thing about this movie with the plot is that it revolves around the theme of capitalism, uh, about you know small business, big business. Also, I think also I, I would have to say this by watching it myself. It revolves on this theme of, huh, of just like serving of like actually like. I guess hypocritism, like there's a big thing of being a hypocrite because one of the things that I really saw in this movie that I, that I know that I always remembered was that Frank Lucas is a character who is a big businessman. He makes his money. He's a, he's a young, he's a black entrepreneur, but the stuff that he makes his money off of hurts the black community. But no one's caring as much because he's actually helping the black community at the same time by giving out turkeys, by by giving people jobs, by giving them cuts, all that stuff. And so you kind of see that in the hypocrisy of being being this black man who's making money, who's on top. But what he's doing is hurting his own community. But they'll turn a blind eye to it if they give him the money, if if. Frank Lucas gives them the gives the community money. He pays them back, turkeys, all that stuff. And that was something that I thought the movie revolved around a little bit. Uh, I would say there's not a lot of stuff to say about the music. I thought the music was pretty good. On a side note, with that, there's like this soundtrack made by Jay Z. I thought that's that that album was fucking dope. That like anything with Jay Z is fucking dope. But that album uh, combined with this movie, uh, I thought it was freaking nice. Uh, I think I could do like a separate review of it, but I'm not like a music head, so I don't know. But I thought the music they used in this movie was pretty good. It was nothing too crazy. The cinematography, the cinematography is pretty nice. I would say it gets some pretty good uh, shots. And I think that they do a pretty good job at using shots of Harlem and using that to invoke meaning and, and spread messages throughout the entire movie and kind of just builds into the tense situations that you also see in this film. Uh, I would say the best scene in this entire movie was Denzel Washington and his confrontation with his entire family. And I'm going to kind of go ahead and, and visualize it. Uh, spoilers if you haven't watched it, but it, it's it's like 13-year-old movie. So if, if you haven't seen it, goddamn. But 
oh, that's not fair. I didn't see early. <laughs> so shit, that's not fair. So spoilers anyway. But yeah, Ameri- in this scene in American Gangster, you have basically uh, Frank Lucas Brent invites a bunch of people into his condo. They have this big party. You know, T.I.'s character uh, is being introduced to one of the GM, the general managers of the New York Yankees because he's a up and coming uh, baseball player and it's pretty dope. And then one of his family members uh, invites somebody else. I think this coked up like fake police officer they don't really explain it in the movie but then he kind of gets really frisky with one of his uh, cousin's family or cousin's girl and they, they start having a fight he shoots him in the foot and then denzel washington is so fucking angry he just comes in slap punches him grabs him by the neck pushes him down to where uh the top of the piano is and just rocks his shit so freaking hard man he just keeps pounding his head on the top of the lid of the piano and you kind of like see that and it's just really fucking brutal because like you hear everything and you're just like god damn but the scene around him just shows just people kind of just staring at him just gasping there's no noise going behind it's like it's this grand old party and the next thing you know boom shit just happens and then you're immediately uh after he throws everybody out of that that his condo you kind of just oh sorry my fault you kind of just see him just go on and you know just take and just get really angry and berate his entire family including his wife but i'm talking like that's 45 million dollar alpaca you do that shit and then he just goes ahead and tell him you can't invite that nigga and there's a there's an interaction where he ad-libs it and then he just Grabs a bucket of like ice and water and then hit and then throws out a Chiwetel Ejiofor's character and it's just so fucking crazy. But like the entire scenery, the cinematography of that film is really dope. But I think that was the best scene. But there are other scenes that I thought were pretty good. I think the one with Richie Roberts, uh, Russell Crowe's character, where it talks about the police force. I thought that was pretty good too. Um, I think overall, like this movie really like latches you on, and I think it's really good in the beginning. But I do got to talk about some of the stuff that really uh, that I really found disappointing, but also like changed my mind on a couple of things about this movie and that. And I think the number one thing I can say about this movie that I don't really like is the background of it or like the history around it, I think. You know, I never I knew that it was based off a true story, but I didn't know the validity of it too much. And I know that Hollywood has this problem of, you know, saying that their movies are based on true events, but like 95% of it is Hollywood magic and 5% of it is the actual true events. And in this movie, if you if you actually go to Wikipedia or just do some research, you can tell like it's told that this movie was a bunch of Hollywood bullshit. Like Frank Lucas never did no crazy stuff. Richie Roberts never had a case where he had to deal with the custody of his child. He never had like a, a girlfriend or a wife at that situation. He, you know, he never was like the sleaze bag of a cop that would just cheat on his wife with somebody else you know a lot of stuff in that movie was just added fluff by the hollywood you could think of it as like hey there's this cool little story about a black gangster that that did a lot of stuff how about we just add in a whole bunch of crazy shit bring in these two nice actors do something that's like pretty much not you know not normal for real life and that's more normal for movie stuff and let's just call that a movie make some money and 
and try to win some awards. That that's what exactly this movie is. And I felt like at first that it didn't really bother me as much. But I'm gonna be real. That did bother me when I kind of watched the movie because then when you go into documentaries about Frank Lucas, these interviews, and you read these excerpts across the web, you kind of just feel like, damn, like this is just another like Hollywood fluff. Like I'll say this about myself right now. I like movies that they don't have to be a hundred percent based on true events, but if you give it at least like fifty percent or like seventy-five percent, I feel like that's still pretty good, and it gives you that kind of like realness of the entire movie. I'm not trying to say like this movie wasn't too real. I feel like I definitely can see this happening in real life, but at the same time, some of the stuff I just felt like was too over the top, and you know that really kind of just like you know disappointed me in a little bit because you want there. there they're saying that this movie is, is based on true events and that you're going to get the sense of realness. But are some scenes you feel like it's really over the top and it's just like, yeah, yeah I really do feel like it's crazy. Uh, but I mean, besides that, the other thing, the other gripe with this movie that I had was just some of the stuff with Richie Roberts. Now, like I said, Russell Crowe does a great job acting in this movie and playing the characters Richie Roberts. But besides the true events that clearly are not true in this movie i feel like the fluff that they did add in with the whole court battle him being a lawyer um i felt like either they spent too much time on it with the court battles i i didn't really care and then with everything else i wanted to know more about it uh like i said like he gets a team from the dea or the fbi i don't know who it is but he gets this team and that's where you kind of like see see characters like rza and what he's done and i felt like they focused on them and the director's cut a little bit but in the theatrical release they don't focus on them too too much you don't get to know a whole lot about them just kind of like quick backstories and it's cool but at the same time like we really had to forego that time with that team that we could have gotten some really good chemistry with for scenes him trying to get his son back and him not go to las vegas like i did not give a fuck about that uh i felt like the wife in that movie who uh let me see if i can actually look up i felt like the wife in that movie was kind of annoying i didn't really care like not saying she was a bad actor i just felt like she was you know for fluff she was written kind of poorly and i didn't really like her as much uh Carla Gugino. Is that what it is? Yeah, Carla Gugino. I just felt like, you know, her playing as Lori Roberts, I didn't really care as much. It's like she had a pretty good scene where she talked about how like, oh, your your life's all fucked up. You're fucking your lawyer. You, you, you're not a, you think you're a role model for your son. You ain't shit. You're a bad cop. Not because like you're a dirty one, but you gave money out. You... I would have at least kept the money. Now you're bullshitting. Now, not only are you, a, are you, are you a slut of a father, but also you're a dumbass. Like, I mean, that scene didn't like. It was cool and all. It was a good scene, but it didn't really like catch me a whole lot. It, it didn't really like latch me on to her character. I felt like this was cool. Like the scenes weren't really that emotional, and I felt like if you took them out, it would have been cool. But again, they want to add in some some drama for for the protagonist for Richie Roberts and say like, hey, he's got a lot of shit. He's not a perfect human being. And I was like, okay, I see what you do it, but still, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> it wasn't that good. You could have done it better. Um, but also, I think with some of the stuff with the movie, I felt like they could have talked about a little bit more. Uh, one thing I never really liked in this movie was the use of certain characters and just the screen time. Now, I know I said this with some of the other movies that I reviewed on, uh, but I really got to go ahead and talk about it right now. Ildris Elba's in the movie 
And I felt like Eldris Elba like played a pretty good character, but I really would have liked it if we saw him as the character of Tango have a pretty, you know, a more prominent role in the movie. Like spoilers ahead, you see him in the beginning kind of just act disrespectful to Frank Lucas, Denzel Washington's character. And then later on down the movie, when you kind of seeing the whole gang get together, you see Frank Lucas go up to him to Tango and Eldris Elbers acting all fucked up. And he's just like, you gonna shoot me, nigga. You gonna shoot me. And, and it's a prominent scene. If you've seen this before, but like Frank, you know, Frank Lucas shoots him in the head. And then he's just like, oh, let me get this money out your pocket, put it in the jar. Now you paid your debt now you're dead too nigga and it's just like okay that's cool that's a dope scene but like i really would have wished we got that later on down the road or more stuff from him so we can kind of see it like you get like maybe one or two good scenes before that but it's just like eh, nothing too much and that's also goes for cuba gooding jr's character nikki barnes who has even less significant you know, less uh, screen time in this movie. You kind of see him have this interaction where it's another good scene. I can't lie. Talking about like uh, Coca-Cola. That's a brand name. Pepsi. That's a brand name. <laughs> Motorola. <laughs> what was it? General Motors. That's a brand name. You see that whole scene and you're like, Cooper Gooding Jr. does a good job. But like, you don't even see him that much. You kind of see these quick shots and that's it. You don't know what happened. You think it's going to be a big thing, but it's not. I really felt like... They didn't do characters of Nikki Barnes and I guess also Tango is a good job. Cuba Gooding Jr. and Eldridge Elba. I felt like they underutilized those characters and I felt really disappointed at that. So, you know, it's also just like how they did the story. And it's just like there's some writing issues here. Uh, but again, it's not terrible. It's not bad. But, you know, Ridley Scott directed this movie. And, you know, I, I feel some type of way with Ridley Scott. I mean, people praise him for Alien, but it's whatever. But anyway, with that being said, that's all I really got. Uh, overall, I felt like American Gangster in the first viewing was a wonderful movie, had a great time, able to just sit down and be like, oh shit, at certain scenes, and there are definitely some great acting across the board from a lot of these guys, a lot of the cast members, including Denzel Washington, including Russell Crowe, and then surprisingly, you know, I'll say it, T.I., and uh, also Josh Brolin in this entire fucking movie. Uh, I felt like the plot was pretty good, even though there's some errors in how to utilize certain characters and also about how they spend more time on certain things that kind of felt like a bore to me. Um, overall, I felt like this movie uh, does a pretty good job with how it uses the city look. And I got to go ahead and give it like a seven and a half out of ten. I think overall, this is a good movie that you can watch. If you're trying to figure out which movie Denzel Washington is the best at in terms of acting, I think that these are one of the movies that you certainly need to watch to figure that out. Uh, and I think that besides the inaccuracies in this movie based off the quote unquote true events it talks about, um, yeah, overall, I feel like it's, you know, it's entertaining. It's cool. You can sit down and, and you can react and it's pretty good. So it's, it's a really good movie. And I'll say that right now. Uh, I guess PS, the ending of this movie is pretty good it's all right it's cool it's nothing to go crazy about i mean you kind of see this nice uh chase scene uh where they finally like stop like the climax where you see like frank lucas's like drug operation get a like you know get busted and uh i think overall it's it's a really cool scene and then you see frank lucas and and richie roberts kind of conspired to talk about uh bringing down uh you know the dirty cops in this movie and I thought it was pretty good. Man, so yeah, side PS. There's this whole big thing with Richie Roberts, how 
you know, he gives the money, you know, he finds his like a million dollars with his partner and uh, he brings that out, out there and cops hate him for that. And that's why how he gets into the DEA. But again, I don't want to give it too much because it's just like, yeah, like I want you guys to watch this movie. If you guys, you know, if you guys get start getting interested with it. But yeah, that's American Gangster, a seven and a half out of ten. I, you know, really enjoyed it. And I felt like I could watch it again, but not too much because, you know, it's some work needs to be done. <sighs> but you know, if there's another movie that I rewatched and I pretty much wanted to check to see if I have the same feelings with Black Dynamite, our second movie review. And Black Dynamite is by far one of my favorite movies of all time. Now, if you've ever watched or ever heard of black exploitation movies, black exploitation movies were basically these films that were centered around, um, you know, black excellence or like kind of like this run on. <laughs> what is it? This run on plot or it's just like you have this guy who's kind of like a pimp or he's like this super bad, super bad cop or pimp or whoever this guy is and like an anti-hero. He goes on beating up other pimps or beating up the man and stuff like that. It's pretty fucking funny. And, you know, what made these movies so great was that they were made on a very cheap budget. It was kind of like, how did you make this movie? And you basically have nothing you have nothing to show for it like and it really shows how cheap these movies were made it's like you have like microphones down you you kind of have set pieces that are wrong people can't really act it's really fucking funny uh but they really pay oh it's really a staple into black filmmaking because without those movies they wouldn't have launched the careers of certain actors and also would have made they it it wouldn't have helped black people get up into the movie business because around that time hollywood didn't really like black people obviously and uh black exploitation movies were kind of our way to getting our foot in the door so with black dynamite black dynamite is a parody of the black exploitation movies around that time and the plot goes like this after quote unquote the man kills his brother and poisons the neighborhood with tainted liquor a kung fu fighter named black dynamite played by michael j white wages war that takes him all the way to nixon's white house yeah, that's that's the plot of the movie. It's 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 a it's just exactly like what it is. And I remember seeing this movie when I was younger in middle was it I think it was middle school. Yeah, middle school. And I laughed my fucking ass off because it was an amazing film. Um if I'm looking at this correctly, I think it was first shown in France in like a little yeah, I think it was first shown in like France or something like that. But yeah, man, this movie was freaking awesome. If you want any backstory with it, it was directed by Scott Sanders and it's played. It's starring Michael J. White, Arsenio Hall and Tommy Davidson. The writers itself is Michael J. White and Byron Minns. And this movie, I think, opened up and had a it's an hour and 24 minute film so it's or well, hour and 30 minute long film it's pretty it's not that long at all um it had a it had a US box office of 242,578,578 but had a budget of like 2.9 million and that's an estimation and this movie was like in theaters for a little bit, but then afterwards it just went straight to home video and it's considered like a cult classic. Uh, one of the things that you saw on Rotten Tomatoes that like kind of shows how good this movie is, is that it's good for movie lovers and also frat houses, <laughs> which means that like 
it's really good both ways. Like critics will love it because it's like it really plays homage to like some pretty good uh black exploitation films, and then regular people will love it because it's fucking goofy. And I think that's how the movie is. Oh, and let's start off with the acting. I mean, Michael J. White is probably <laughs> the best guy to ever play this this character, Black Dynamite. I mean, honestly, he's one of the coolest black actors in terms of just what he's able to do and just his fighting stuff like him and it's just fighting history uh being able to act at the same time and be a badass i think in this movie he does this role really well because with just the costume design uh which by the way it's really fucking dope and just with the plot he's it feels like he's it looks like and it feels like and it sounds like he's just having fun in this role and that goes with so many so many of the other actors in this movie i mean arsenio hall plays great tommy davidson plays really good uh who else you got yeah kevin chapman uh let's see here brian mcknight nicole airy parker uh miguel and nunez jr let's see if we got anybody else here uh bokeem woodbine as black handjack uh which i thought was pretty good that that guy's playing a lot of different films uh you oh stacy adams oh that's just a small character uh you have a lot of good people in this movie and you're just like damn like they're really having a good ass time and i have to commend them because they really play in these roles pretty well they don't really overact they do a really good job i mean some of the extras maybe but overall like everybody plays a pretty good job and i feel like i've been saying that a whole lot i haven't found a movie that there was a lot of bad acting <laughs> which maybe I might have to, but yeah, everybody did a pretty good job. In terms of the plot, I think the plot itself was pretty nice. I mean, you have something that starts off as like, it's a revenge story. And then it culminates into like a, not only a revenge story, but also like a, you know, also we gotta, we gotta get this shit off the streets, man. And then it devolves into like a Kung Fu action, a low budget Kung Fu action movie, which is like, what the fuck is this? And you would think that with a plot like that, it's too convoluted and the pacing is terrible. But with a movie like this in like hour and 30 minutes, it does all of that pretty well. And it doesn't even stand too. It, it doesn't spend too much time on certain plot points that would make you kind of bored out your goddamn mind. Like throughout this entire movie, the plot just makes you laugh. The jokes are funny as hell. Every character brings it their all. And if it doesn't seem like they're doing it, they, it, if it doesn't seem like they're doing it at all, trust me, they are because they're really making you laugh and they're merely make you invested in the entire story. And I'm not saying invested in the story about like who done did it, but it's just like you, you kind of, it's so funny. You kind of see where things are going and you're just like, okay, what else can they pull out, the, pull out their ass? And it's just <laughs> really good. Um, I mean, something else about the plot it really is a good homage to just black exploitation movies besides the plot you also have just you know the funny like jokes that they put in if if the jokes are direct and straightforward it's it's pretty it's pretty good it's funny but you also get a lot of the small things that you have to watch this movie a couple more times to see or if you have a good eye you can catch the first time and it's just like this is fucking funny uh there is a there are parts in the movie where i missed the first time i missed the first time viewing it that i was able, able to see in this like third viewing cuz it's that funny and 
there are like parts where you kind of see like when a character moves up from a chair, you see a microphone up top and the camera just quickly pans and like pans a little bit close, like it zooms back into the character. So you don't catch it. Like, don't, don't, don't worry about that. Watch this shit. Uh, there are some times where you have a character that's writing the, the director's notes of the script. <laughs> it would be like, <laughs> what was it? The great, that one great line from one of the Black Panthers is like, the Billiton stern startled. This is private. <laughs> How'd you get in here? And Black Dynamite was like, I walked in here, <laughs> and there's, and it's it's followed up by like I want to speak to the guy who's in charge here. Who's in charge? And it's like sarcastically, I'm in charge. And then Michael J. White's just looking out like he's to, to the director, and he's just like, really, nigga, it's the best you got. <laughs> there's also one part. Uh, there's also one part where you see where like a like a fight scene. Michael J. White, Black Dynamite is fighting like all these different guys. And then you see this one scene where it's really bad edited, but you get it because it's a parody of a black exploitation movie. You see him just like throw these guys out the window and then it goes back into the scene where he's inside and the same guys who were thrown out the window are still inside of the, of the bar. And you're just like, what the fuck is this? This is funny as hell. It's so it's so funny. It's like a parody of black exploitation movies, but it's also a parody of just like how life was like back in like I think the seventies and the early eighties, and also just talking about like problems that we had now. It, it's a really fun fucking funny movie, and and just the acting does it well. The plot is like so like it's so funny that you don't care about what goes crazy with the plot. Now, if you try to take this movie seriously, then I'm like, okay, there are some problems because of the plot and maybe the pacing. But so far, like its main goal is to be a parody of itself, and it does a really good job of it. Uh, the music is really dope. I think the music is nice. I think it really fits into this entire movie. And yeah, I think that's what it is. I think the music is nice. I can't really say a whole lot about it. Uh, let me kind of read this from Wikipedia. Adrian Young, uh, he was the guy who made the music, plays all instruments and wrote the lyrics to every song in the soundtrack except Shine, Cleaning Up the Streets, and Gloria. His influences on the score were Curtis Mayfield, Isaac Hayes, Ennio Morricone, and Wu-Tang Clan. Morricone greatly influenced Young from the classic, classical European funk music while Wu-Tang Clan helped them focus on making music they want to use, want to sample. Sanders gave Young almost complete leeway, but he still had to work hard to impress others working on the film. To record the score, Vin Young used vintage tape recording equipment and intended to be digitally transferred. The film's theme song is Dynamite by Sir Charles Hughes. Its chorus plays nearly every time Black Dynamite appears or whenever a punchline is delivered. See, that's the thing that this movie does a really good job at. This movie does a really good job at just showing how much work they put into it and how much they just want to capture the essence of black exploitation movies. And no matter how funny it is, you got to stand up and give praise to what they've done. And I mean, this movie is that good to where it's just like, I don't care how fucking crazy it is. This is a masterpiece of cinema. Uh, maybe I'm being a little over dramatic or exaggerate or just exaggerating a little bit. But with it, it just does a really good job. I mean, maybe a little bit, I would have felt like this movie could have been a little bit longer, but with how they wanted to get stuff done, an hour and 30 minutes ain't that bad. I mean, I'm able to watch this movie in one sitting and then try to say, I'll rewatch it again. But this movie is really good for just kind of going back in and just like, you know, you know, seeing funny scenes and just saying, man, this is, this is the funniest part. Um, 
there's not really a lot I, I, I can say about this movie. This movie is just straightforward, a very fun parody of material that people really cherish back in the day. And it's so better. You know, it's much better than a lot of other uh, comedy films at the time, including comedy films now to where you're just like it. Not only is it funny, but it's smart and it does a really good job. Um yeah, man, I got to go ahead and give this movie like a nine and a half out of ten. I mean, the only thing I really wish from this movie is that it was longer. It's a cult classic. It has a really good following. It's so good that it even span it even like spawned like a, a TV series, an adult swim made by the creators of the boondocks, I believe. And that TV series is really good. It sucks that they had to cancel that. But yeah, I'll probably do a review with that later on. But yeah, man, this movie is this movie is really dope. If you kind of just going to go into the research, uh, you'll you'll really see why it's so good. Uh, let me see here. It said Black Dynamite premiered at the 2009. Yeah, I was right. Sundance Film Festival, where it picked up distribution by Sony Worldwide Acquisitions for nearly two million. So they basically got the bag for this shit. <laughs> they just said, let's make a movie. Let's just go crazy. Let's just make a movie for cheap, go crazy, and let's just get the bag for everybody in doing this. The film went on to win the Golden Space Needle Audience Award for Best Film at the Seattle International Film Festival, beating The Hurt Locker, which is a good movie, among other films. Uh, yeah, man. That, this movie was freaking good. Uh, what is this? Oh, it says something about the outlaw Johnny Black. Oh, they had ideas for a sequel film. Oh yeah, G Force. Well, that shit's gone. I don't. I, I don't know if it's a sequel. The sequel's gone now. It's gone. But yeah, uh, something about like the outlaw Johnny Black, and that's something they'll probably do like a sequel on, which I'd be very interested in watching. But yeah, man, those are the two movie reviews: American Gangster and Black Dynamite. American Gangster a seven and a half out of ten, and Black Dynamite getting a nine and a half out of ten. So those are your movie reviews. I really hope you guys really enjoyed them. But uh, let's go ahead and just talk about some other stuff since we have the time and we have an extra moment to just talk about some stuff. Uh, if you guys want to go ahead and get off, you guys can go ahead and get off since you're just here for the movie reviews. But if you guys are still sticking around, I thought it'd be nice to really share about some things about how I feel with so with the world today and just, uh, just talk about some stuff um, that I really have had some good things and some bad things. Not my life, but just stuff that i've really looked at and just like oh, i don't really fucking like uh i mean obviously the pandemic like the last time i was on this microphone was when we were in like the middle of it during the summertime and things were getting a little better i mean cases were going down across the board lockdowns were being uplifted i mean we were doing pretty good and then you know we had the black lives matter protest we had um we, we sadly had people just acting stupid and so many things that were just going crazy. And I was kind of like in this funk because I'm a black man and I saw it and I just got really sad. But also the pandemic where you, you're constantly hearing people dying every single day and people getting this virus and people losing their jobs and their livelihoods. And it's like, damn, fast forward to now, numbers have been high as hell. I the Tennessee, the state of Tennessee has hit about 503,000 cases uh, that have been confirmed here in the state. And I very much have been disappointed, but not surprised because uh, the things that what's been going on over here has been making me very angry with just restrictions and 
quarantine dates and just how they've been treating everything. It's really pissing me off. And that goes with a lot of states in the South. Um, it's really been pissing me off of just how they've been doing stuff. Uh, I could go into a huge discussion about it. And I probably could, like maybe down the road, just by utilizing some research. But that also requires me to read this book that kind of goes in about you know, why maybe things are like, or is what it is. And I think it'd be really, um, relatable and timely for the discussion I would want to do. But I mean, the difference between then and now is that we have a vaccine. I mean, we're not thinking about a vaccine, but we have a vaccine right now and it's being distributed all across the world, including America. And the biggest thing right now is that nobody wants, and not a lot of people are very much you know, interested in the vaccine. They're being very cautious about it um, because it was made during the presidency of, of President of ex former, thank fucking God I said that, former President of the United States, Donald Trump. And uh, people are just not very uh, excited for that. And I can definitely understand why. I. That, you know, vaccines are, you know, are clearly made uh, in a very much long period of time. We don't have the vaccine for certain diseases that we really would love to have a vaccine for. But somehow, some way we were able to get a vaccine for COVID-19 in less than a year. That's crazy. But nonetheless, a lot of research has gone into it. And people, you know, the scientific community is really ecstatic and happy for this. You know, they're really happy. And I can't blame him for that either. But here's the thing. And I'll just say it very bluntly right now, too. The thing that I can definitely understand is that people are very cautious in taking this vaccine. And if you don't feel like you want to take it, go ahead. You have every right to do so, to not take that vaccine. The thing I don't want people to do, though, that I definitely don't want to hear, which I've been hearing for so long, is people giving false information or spreading misinformation regarding this vaccine and there are so many things to go in and and pluck apart as an examples i mean just god damn like the number one thing would be Letitia wright reposting this video by this i guess black guy who's like a, a half hotep half evangelist just half dumbass as well let's just be honest a dumbass and he's just gone in and talked about how you know the vaccine you know it has this enzyme called what was it it was some luciferase and like if you take out the ace in it it's it's spelled it says lucifer do you want to take a vaccine that has an enzyme named after lucifer the biggest bad of all evil and he twisted it and said like i'm not a scientific i'm not i'm not a scientist i'm not a researcher i'm not a medical professional but i still find it funny that and it's just like you know you got not only him, but people just giving out stupid ass opinions on something um, being made that, yes, people are afraid about and cautious, but you're making it way too bigger than what it is, man. It's fucking crazy. And it's caused not only Letitia Wright, people like her to just go off and make these crazy conspiracy theories. I mean, one is definitely funny about how December 21st. Our black people's DNA is going to evolve into our true forms to where we have superpowers. 
And at that point, if that was the case, I'd be over here happy as hell that I'm going to get all four elements and become the black avatar. And I'm just like, oh, just like, even though it's funny, it's sad that it's coming off a of misinformation that's causing people not to take this vaccine. And it's and it's bad because it's like, okay, look, I understand again, I'm a black man. I know about the Tuskegee uh, projects that lost our trust regarding, you know, the healthcare field in America. But I mean, I don't know, man. It's just at one part of me, I've been keeping tabs of like, how has COVID-19 uh, affected the black community and just minorities in general. And we are heavily affected by it. We lose people every day in our community. And I just feel like there there has to be an end to it. I know it's not going to come in right here, right now after this vaccine. Of course not. There's gonna there's a distribution plan. There's all this different stuff that has to go on. But at the same time, it's just so crazy how like, you know, every single day, there's just something new about the vaccine or something new about this pandemic. And I feel like it's just regressing us. It's making us regress from ever even getting over this shit. I mean, at one point I said in the beginning of the pandemic, I said, this shit is going to last for a very good amount of time. And knowing how America is, it's going to be hard to unify and actually come together and get through this shit. So far, I hate being right. I hate being right about this shit. And it's actually coming in. And yeah, man, it's something that's really pissing me off. And I'll probably do like a separate discussion probably next week with when I bring in some statistics or some research or when I have my thoughts uh, actually planned out because this is just something coming off the rip. Uh, but yeah, man, that's just how I really feel about this entire situation. And speaking of the COVID-19 situation, I think this is something that I'll kind of talk about down the road. But uh, right now, man. I think it's been since June, late June, since I had my job at the COVID-19 information hotline. And I got to tell you, man, uh, I love my job. I love it for a lot of reasons. The number one thing, money. <laughs> no, no, I get paid a pretty good amount of money at that job. And I'm internally grateful to even having a source of income during these crazy times, because I know a lot of people aren't getting that source of income at all. Uh, but the, the one thing I'm very much grateful about that job is that I get to understand more about COVID-19 and how it's actually affecting people and just the right protocols and dealing with it and just moving on forward with it. Now, there's been a lot of things I don't like about it and I won't go into detail, but there's been some things that I really much have been enjoy, enjoying a whole lot. And, and that is actually in the sense of learning about how you effectively quarantine and you know more research and data about covid there's going to be a time where i i make an episode about you know the different research articles about covid-19 and how you know you can translate it into everyday uh knowledge but the stuff that i've been learning has been pretty I've been very grateful about it and it's been very much appreciative given to me by my coworkers and my supervisors. And I very much, you know, I'm, I'm again, I'm very grateful for that. Um, let's say, let's say this. Uh, another thing I love about my job is that I finally get out the house and I stay in an area that's pretty good and it's pretty calm, cool and collective. And I have so much time to do stuff. I'll say this right now. I, I spent the whole semester of, you know, this past semester at Morehouse, just doing my classes online, webcam, while taking calls about COVID-19 cases. 
And I was very happy about that. I've done some crazy stuff. This was like the least craziest thing I've done so far. I mean, I've taken 23 credit hours in one semester and I've slept in my car after doing an all nighter studying for a cell bio test. I will tell you right now, man, this was not the craziest thing I've done, but it was one of the coolest things in hindsight because I've said this to a lot of people in the beginning of this pandemic, whatever you do now defines who you are later down the road. And I really feel as if that the stuff that I've done so far, um, I've been very grateful and it really has helped shape who I am as a person and has taught me lessons that I'm forever grateful to take on down the road. Um, I know there's a whole lot more stuff that I'm uncertain about that I'm, you know, I still need to work on. Well, working at this job has helped me elevate my mindset, expanded my not expand my knowledge. I'm not going to say I'm no fucking divergent thinker or some shit like that. No, but I am going to say that I, I'm more aware of how dire the situation is. And that's not to say I was never dire. I was very much scared, but I'm more calm, cool and collective about it. But I'm more aware. I'm definitely more aware of how this shit is affecting everybody. Uh, but yeah, man, just great times doing eight hour shifts, doing nothing but taking calls and then going on my laptop, doing MCAT studying and just watching YouTube videos. <laughs> That's all it really is. And also reading books, too. Um, and I think this will be the last thing I'll go into something that's besides COVID that talks about something else. Uh, but I've been very much enjoying doing the book reviews and the discussions. Uh, I've noticed that there's been more people listening to the Barack Obama book reviews rather than the people look, look, what was it, listening to the hood feminism reviews. I think both books, you know, very happy I read them. Very happy I talked about them. This next book, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, I'm very interested in. But I have a, a full reading list to go on. And I'll kind of leave it off by this. What I'm forever, what I'm grateful about this uh, about doing these book discussions that not only gives you guys more material to read on and just kind of just talk about more stuff and just get a, expand your mindset and give you a different perspective. But it also helps me uh, expand my mind, expand my knowledge, uh, gives me definitely some brain power. And uh, oh, I can't believe I said that shit. We don't like fucking Jimmy Neutron, but it, it definitely helps me shape my own perspective and my knowledge uh, on stuff that I really wanted to know about and stuff that I've been really hesitant on talking about. And I really do think that after these last two books, I have more, I have more opportunities to talk about how I feel about stuff and shape my own opinion. And I've very much been grateful about that. So yeah, with this next book, it's not going to be too, too crazy. It's going to be something on video game development. If you're interested in that, I think it'd be cool. But these next couple of books I have afterwards are going to be centered on stuff that's happening in our world today, stuff that I feel like would be interesting. And I, I, I very much would appreciate if you guys just come in and listen to them. I've very much been happy with the support that I've been getting on these last couple of episodes. Um, you know, sometimes I get questions about like, you know, I don't have a lot of listens or views. It doesn't matter. Everything is a process. And I'm as long as I'm having fucking fun with this shit, I'm having fucking fun. So. Yeah, that's all I got to say, man. That's really all I got to say. But yeah, man, that is it for this entire episode of The Midnight Drop. Thanks so much for dropping in for that movie doubleheader review of American Gangster and Black Dynamite. And thanks for tuning in and staying for just my mini rant and also an update on just how I feel on the entire situation of this 
goddamn year 2020, which is going to come in the end in maybe a week and a half, I guess. But yeah, thanks so much for tuning in. Be on the lookout for new episodes next week regarding another book discussion on Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, another movie review. Uh, kind of announce that later down the road tomorrow. And be on the lookout for this episode on all platforms, which is Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, www.themidnightdrop.com and on Anchor. Be on the lookout for those episodes and just visit the website at www.themidnightdrop.com. Be very much appreciative. Got some blog posts, got some past episodes you guys want to go ahead and give a listen to. Uh, If you want to DM and have any comments, questions, concerns, considerations, or uh, hate mail, whatever you want, uh, go ahead and drop them in at 615 underscore chill. Again, that's 615 underscore chill. But that is just, guys. Thanks so much for listening to tonight's episode. Very much appreciate you guys tuning in. I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace. No more tags, no tags.